Hello, hello, everybody. This is No Trick Look Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. Hi, Remy. I'm your other co-host, B. Hi. Hi, everyone. Good evening. It's been a while. Or morning, or afternoon. Good or- day. Yes, good day. Good um, week. Hmm. Good hiatus. Good month. Oh, man. <laughs> and, like, we come back to this, huh? Yeah, huh? Oh, I don't think my heart has stopped beating yet. Uh, I I went to bed last night with some sort of thing happening to my thing. And I'm still trying to figure it out. My sleep app was... Okay, normally I fall asleep like a rock. Like, <laughs> it's like you're asleep in two minutes. You're asleep in three minutes. And this one was like, you you don't know how to sleep anymore. I'm sorry. The <laughs> sleep machine broke. <laughs> like, I'm feeling it. Jolt. Jolt up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Coda. Oh my god. Not even joking. It was really hard to just concentrate on work today. Well, all the hype is about this week's episode, uh, season 15, episode 9, The Trap. The Trap. And it was an episode written by Robert, uh, Robert. <laughs> Robobo. Robert. Um, Robert Bobo Barrens, uh, and directed by Robert Singer. So the double Bobo special, I guess. <laughs> the Bobo 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 special. Bob-bom. And the description for this episode reads, Sam and Eileen are faced with the brutal truth. Meanwhile, Dean and Cass work together in the hopes of getting a step ahead of Chuck. Mm-hmm. 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 Always be vegan. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said something completely Not vegan. Different. I'm sorry. That wasn't just a fancy <laughs> accent. I heard of vaping, so. Like, I mean, if you want to, I won't stop you, but it increasingly sounds like it's not good for you. Ripping some cotton as the... Cotton! <laughs> Our favorite macaroys. like to say. Yeah. So, Sam and Eileen are faced with the brutal truth. We open up. In the Lucky Elephant Casino, the same casino that we saw Chuck in on the opening scene of last month's episode, or the last episode, episode eight. Yes. And this time we have Sam and Eileen present, and they are zip-tied to a couple chairs. Now! Right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, we're it, not fucking around, folks. Uh, it, but, but is Eileen zip-tied to the chair, or... Is Chuck holding her there? Because that's fair. I wasn't super paying attention to zip ties, and it would make sense that she's not. I'll I'll ping on that in just a second because I loved it. I liked it. I liked yeah. the the underneath reading of that. So we open up, and Sam and Eileen are facing each other, t- each restrained, and then Chuck uh, appears behind Eileen. Yes, and Sam wakes to Chuck's greetings, and Eileen is apologizing, uh, because we find out right away here that Chuck has been using Eileen to get to Sam to romance, and he was nudging her along so that he would know what was going on, since he can't see Sam and Dean himself anymore. Right. The brutal truth here is that we're having one of those moments where where Chuck reveals that he's been guiding Eileen to Sam through their whole 
relationship so far. Well, not their whole relationship so far, but their whole relationship since since uh, Eileen's soul was released from hell. Yeah. We learn that Rowena's spell was not actually Rowena's spell, that resurrection yeah. spell that brought uh, Eileen back to, to, to life, gave her, put her back in her body. And like that victory that we spoke about in Golden Time about Sam getting his win in getting Eileen back to being alive, it's not even his win. It was constructed mm-hmm. for him. So there's a lot that's taking the wind out of their sails right now. Right. Uh, Eileen's first line is, I'm sorry, Sam, I'm sorry. And she's apologizing for, you know, leading them into the situation. But it, but she was led there by Chuck. Yeah. And she had no clue that was going on mm-hmm. until she is sitting here. And like you say, she's restrained by Chuck, not by zip ties. Yes. And, and I, I actually did see that, that, that Sam is tied to the chair with zip ties, but Eileen just seems to be restrained by Chuck's power. And, and I, I like that if that was an actual like writer's choice, because I just like to think that Chuck doesn't trust himself to be able to hold Sam with the connection that they have. Yes. This with this weakness that in the connection, which is what Chuck is, you know, meandering his way over to in his, in his villains monologue. Yeah. And he's trying to play off using Eileen in this way as, you know, Oh, I just hate missing my favorite show, but all of his, he's trying to use his old gimmicks, his old speech patterns, his jokesy ways. And they just, Oh, they're so ominous at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about Chuck's, like, ultimate, like, motivations. Chuck's motivations are creeping towards something, like, super ominous, super creepy, super, like, um, psychotic, I would even say. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. going to be at the very end of the episode. I want to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So this scene rounds out with Chuck essentially disagreeing that he's weak. He points out that he pinyotted hell, but the wounds that are connecting them is holding him back. And so he reveals a scalpel for some forthcoming surgery he's planning on Sam. Yes, yes. And on that ominous, you know, reveal, we cut over to the bunker and we have Cass making borax shells, which I adore. Yes, he's filling up some shotgun rounds, getting ready for purgatory. When we see Dean in the background, he's been calling Sam and Eileen, but there's been no answers. And they are kind of doing the the glass half empty, glass half full right now, where Cass is saying, well, maybe they're just busy with the case. And Dean says, or they're in trouble. Yeah. And quick cut back to Chuck, where he's saying, he's talking about this wound and what is holding him here. What is causing this weakness? He's saying that our wounds aren't healing because something in you, Sam, specifically, is festering, is holding me and won't let go, is what he says. Yeah. He can't see it. He can't snap it away. So he's going to cut it out. Yes. And at this time, Eileen has enough wiggle room on herself that she is able to kind of pull her phone out from her pocket and see that Dean has been calling and she dials back. So even if she can't speak on it, Dean might be able to listen. Mm-hmm. And 
back at the bunker, we see Dean getting that call, answering the phone, and hearing Chuck as he's speaking to Sam. Yes. And so what he's overhearing is Chuck monologuing that, and we can kind of see that he's hesitating. You know, he's doing a lot of talk, but he's not actually cutting into Sam. Mm -hmm. And he excuses himself from it because he senses Eileen is up to something. And we get that him going, come on, Eileen. And oh, I love this exchange. I immediately get that song in my head, but. Yeah, he grabs the phone, hi Dean, bye Dean, and throws the phone aside, although it doesn't break. What, wait, what, I misunderstood, what song are you talking about? Come on, Eileen, oh, I swear, I'm not singing it for you. It's, um, Dexter's, no, something Midnight Runners. Oh, I missed it, I'm sure it was intentional, no, I don't know that song. Oh my god, how can you... Okay, I won't shame you for not knowing, but it's an (laughs) 80s big hit that gets white people dancing like no other. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'll recognize it when I look it up after this. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. and I But I did love that exchange between Dean and Chuck where it was, Hi, Dean. Chuck, you dick. Bye, Dean. Yes, (laughs) yes. Dean... It has, like, no more fear when it comes to Chuck. If he's up in Chuck's face, he is calling it like it is. He, I would not say that he had any, you know, reverence before this. Mr. Yeah, I told God to cool it. Mr. Grab the guitar and smash it. Yes. But but even more so now, Dean is just, fuck you, Chuck. Yeah, it's gone from, like, a benign fuck you to a malevolent fuck you. Understandably. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, at the bunker, Dean is now stressed because of what he's heard, and he immediately (laughs) wants to go and rescue Sam and Eileen, but Cass points out their priority is purgatory. Yes, we have Dean tracking down Sam's phone, and we revealed that we're in uh, Milford, Nebraska. That's where this lucky elephant casino is, and Dean says, we gotta go. Cass says, to purgatory. You mean to purgatory. We have to go to purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dean is saying, what are you talking about? Sam's in trouble. I can't just leave him there. And it's up to Cass to, you know, lay it out logically for Dean right now. You know, uh, Dean is being clouded by his emotions and his protective instinct. But Cass has to say, Dean, stop. Just stop. Because yes. <laughs> what he says is, just stop being so stupid, Dean. But- oh, my God. <laughs> Cass, like, my brother and I were watching this together, and he was like, Cass is all the brain cells this episode. And I'm like, yeah, and he's not letting go of the reins at all. <laughs> like- uh-huh, uh-huh. But but and the reasoning behind it is if you go charging in there now, we have literally nothing that can hurt God. We have no cards at the moment. Exactly. It. it- and we have to get this Leviathan flower. We have to build the cage that we're going to seal, um, uh, that we're going to lock Chuck away in. And then we can go get Sam. And and it's not like Chuck is going to kill Sam anyways, because we know what Chuck's, you know, what Chuck wants. And he's not going to kill Sam just because. Yeah. 
And Dean is still arguing, okay, he might not kill him, but he can torture him. But he does see the point of we could go in there guns a-blazing, but what guns? We got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they figure at least with the spell that Michael gave them last episode, they can stop Chuck with that. So Mm -hmm. they're going ahead with the purgatory plan. Yes. Yeah. And back at uh, the casino, like you said, we are back on Chuck hesitating on making that cut that he says he's going to make to, you know, dig this infection out of, out of Sam and, and me, I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, from what I'm thinking is he doesn't want to cut into Sam. It's going to hurt him just as much as it's hurting Sam. I was thinking about that. And while we did see the connection influence between the two of them, what it was was when God touched the wound, Sam reacted to that. But we never saw anything in the reverse. So to me, it was what Sam ends up pointing out here that, oh, so you don't like getting your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. You you just like to watch. Yeah, you just like to watch. You don't want to get your hands dirty. That's... That's interesting. He says, I don't even know what to call that, actually. Yeah. And it's Eileen who crops in right away and says, I do. It's pathetic. Yes. And me yelling at the screen, Sam, Eileen, stop provoking the bad man, please. I fear for you. (laughs) You're literally forgetting it's God. Like, I'm smushing my face. I fear for you. I mean, honestly, when Eileen said that and... I just had this moment of, he doesn't need you anymore. He yeah. could blink you away as easily and and dispassionately as he did Becky. Yeah. If he decides that you are expendable, then you are. Yes. Yeah. So Chuck turns on her because of that and goes, hey, you know what? Yeah, I guess I don't like getting my hands dirty. She can do it instead. It's more poetic. Yeah. And so Eileen gets... Forced to her feet. She's forced to grab this scalpel and then she's forced to approach Sam and, oh my God. Do a stabby. Yeah. Just like, well, she's still in there. Even after he basically zips her voice, makes her unable to speak. Uh Uh-huh. And it just sucks. Yeah, no, it really sucks. And Shoshana was playing it, like, super well. She did a really, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say she did a really good job because it was, like, awful. But but, but it was a really good job. It was, it was a good job, yeah. It, 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 Chuck is saying, like, oh, this is going to hurt her as much as it hurts you. And and Eileen, you see, she's just desperate not to do this thing. Yeah, but it happens. Yeah. And here we go. And here we go. Here we go to purgatory. (laughs) Dean and Cass are in the rift, or I should say through the rift now. Yes. And they have their flashlights out. And they don't really know what the blossom would look like, but they know that they've never seen flowers in purgatory, so they should recognize it when they see it. I I took a moment just to appreciate how interesting it it was to see uh, Dean and Cass in purgatory like armed and ready versus mm-hmm. that perpetual fleeing that they were doing the first time in purgatory. 
It was, they were always on their back foot. They weren't prepared. Dean had to fashion his own blade. And, and I just, I, I really liked that they had their flashlights. They had their shotguns. They had the borax rounds. They had, uh, Dean had his phone with a timer on it. And he takes out his phone. It has no service. I like that little, that little yes. detail. <laughs> no service in purgatory. But he has his phone and he has a timer on it. And the timer is counting down that 12-hour window that that Michael gave them with this yes. rift. And oh my gosh, that whole thing just had me tense. Because I'm like, how do you know when the 12 hours started? And how do you know it's exactly 12 hours? Like, what if it's 1130? Like, oh my, I, I, my anxiety is just like, we can't hold appointments <laughs> in purgatory. It's just bad. <laughs> Man, you're right. Especially, especially considering how close they cut it. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. That's I crazy. the whole time I was just like, boys, have this conversation on the other side. Come on, come <laughs> on. But here now they are trying to figure out what their strategy would be. And Dean says, "Let's split up, cover more ground." And Cass points out that that's a great way to get lost and or dead. Yes, yes. Cass just says, "Bitch, please, we're going together." Yeah, and he's the one who goes, come on, and Dean follows, but we get a sense from the camera view that they're being watched by someone in purgatory. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, being in purgatory, uh, what's the first thing on everybody's mind? What's the first thing on Dean's mind? B-b-binny! B-b-binny! Yeah, yeah, Dean himself says... Hell, maybe we'll run into Benny. I'm sure he's king of the place by now. Yeah, and he should be. Yeah. When the yeah. second the second that man, I fucking I texted you. When yep. Dean name dropped Benny, it was uh a stone in my gut. I was like, damn. Oh no. Damn. If we're if we're just gonna mention Benny, you know, give him that nod in the name drop, then we're not gonna be seeing Benny. Oh man, that you know, I, I really did want to see Ty Olson again, but I kind of accepted it as like, okay, I'm pretty sure we're not after yeah. this. And then and then they made it worse, guys. Spoilers, not spoilers. Yeah. yeah. And spoilers, not spoilers, but Ty was on Twitter and he was even like, now I don't want to say what the boss of anything is, but like, <laughs> come on, let's be real. <laughs> so I love that he still has opinions after all these years. I I find it super interesting that that Dean not Dean that Jensen you know really wanted Ty on set for the, the episode that he directed so 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 they got him for that but for this not even another three minutes come on they just couldn't fit it in with all they had to do in this episode like let's be real there is a lot of shit that's going on and there's not a lot of screen time. That's true, but but you don't have to write people off. I feel like to not include them. I, what we're spoilers not spoilers talking about is the fact that the the creature they come across in Purgatory says that Benny was killed. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm, we don't have to listen to anything that dude says. Like I said the same thing about Belphegor, and then I got kicked in the dick. So. Uh, on on the on the you know uh, hell souls thing but i will say the difference here is that this is random leviathan number 37 (laughs) and not like a new named character that 
is in the body of a main cast member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do backflips, folks. So, so, we are going to find yes. this Leviathan Blossom. Yes. And then cut back to the casino, where Sam is screaming, and there is some juicy stabbing noises on. Oh, my Ugh. God. Yeah, we, we, I mean, juicy stabbing noises and juicy bloody effects going on. Yeah. And even in all the pain that he's in, Sam is still telling her, it's okay, it's okay, yeah. I know it's not you. Like, Yeah, and and Eileen is, you know, she she has no words, but she's just yeah. begging for forgiveness. And Yeah, with and her it, eyes, you see so much emotion. Yes, and Sam is, is, you know, trying his best to offer her reassurances. And in between offering her reassurances, um... Through the pain, he is also trying to, you know, still trying to get something in on Chuck. Yeah, because Chuck is just sitting there strumming his goddamn guitar. Hmm. And Sam is going, you know, it's not working. Like, I'm going to bleed out. You're going to have to resurrect me. And that's not going to be any more ahead than you are right now. Yeah, I, I, I really loved this scene. Um... I think that Jared did an amazing job with it, like superb. Uh, I I liked the just the frustration and the defeat that he was feeling when he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna bleed out in this chair, and then what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You're just gonna bring me back, and we're gonna do it again." Like, this is... I don't know if it was defeat, but, like, no. definitely resigned to it. Yes. Like, this is what's going to happen. Yes. I see this coming for me down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was just... It's almost a, it's almost a confusion. It, not that there was a lot of confusion in him in saying it, but, but it's just this, like, what do you want? Like, what do you hope to accomplish? This is... I I know what you want, but I don't understand why. Or maybe this is me projecting <laughs> onto Sam everything <laughs> that I'm feeling about Chuck because he's again. I'll get to it later, but but here Sam is saying, "What is this? What is the point of this? What is the point of this cycle?" And I think that this is probably a new experience for Chuck too, because he's so used to omniscience and yet Sam and Dean have been off the radar. And so this wound in particular, he has to do guesswork and his first instinct is to go in there with a the knife and okay, that's not moving forward. Like he's not really someone who gets tested in that way. Sam calls him out on it. Uh, Chuck himself said, it's not something that I can see. It's not something I can snap away. And now here is Sam saying, you're going to let me die here because you don't know what else to do. Yeah. And that really irks Chuck because he snaps away from his guitar and he's like, how are you still like this? How are you this defiant still? Yes. And Sam tries well, it's not my first time on the rack. And Chuck just dismisses, like, no, that's not what I'm talking about here. And he works through it and he realizes that it's hope fueling Sam. And that's what is stopping Chuck himself from, like, that's what's holding him back. 
Right, right. Sam is holding Chuck back because Sam still believes, as Chuck says, he believes that he can win. He being Sam. Yes. You think you can win. You think that you're still the hero of this story. Yes. He's saying, no, you think that Dean and Cass are going to burst through those doors and and save the day and you still have hope. And and that is the infection. That's the festering that that is not simpatico what's causing what's causing this this like clash between between the two of them um yeah Uh, of course i was like demon blood demon blood demon (laughs) blood but yeah (laughs) i'll take this too that looks like all we're getting is the vision i yeah yeah back to purgatory oh my goodness back to purgatory Dean and Cass are essentially doing a ploy now to draw out their stalker. And it's a really good one because even I didn't really catch it on the first watch. We have Dean complaining that they're going in circles. You know, I've seen that corpse before. And he goes over to look at it. And Cass is arguing that his sense of direction is just fine. Thank you very much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They're so, there's such like bickering old married couple here. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Again, Cass is refusing to let go of those brain cells. <laughs> and so while they're quote unquote distracted here, the stalker tries to attack, but they're ready. They pin the dude to the ground and they start interrogating him about the Leviathan Blossom. Yes, because as this attacker charged, we got that lovely and, you know, uh, much oh, missed <laughs> that that uh leviathan cgi that we you know miss so much from season seven i don't know mm-hmm. how we went eight years without it b yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like I I don't actually have a lot against leviathan but they just yeah there are a lot of cgi Oh no! I, I I'm I'm just really just making fun of the CGI. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, it's pretty funny. It's pretty cheesy. Yeah, but this is a, a leviathan that has been stalking them, and yeah. Dean is you know waving his boom stick around as he says, and he's like, "I got borax. You want to see what it does?" And <laughs> it's a kind of embarrassing question, but do you know where we can find a flower? Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a moment where the Leviathan is playing dumb, but a little bit of pressure and he breaks to say, we don't call it a flower. It's a bloom and it blooms from, uh, the corpse of a Leviathan. So, (laughs) and from that, we have Cass going when Leviathan die, and then Dean immediately goes, okay, cool, and pumps the shotgun. <laughs> like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the guy's like, no, 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 wait. The rotting corpse of a Leviathan. It it, it, it could take weeks. So, uh, but but I know a place. I could take you to it. And then, hey, look at that. You're a florist after all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and so they, they frog march him out of there. Yeah. And... Yeah. And it's here where the spoilers, not spoilers, about Benny happens. Yeah. 
Dean takes the moment to ask about Benny and this dude just says that Benny's been legendary, yeah, but his own kind tore him apart. Long dead. And to say, to have this Leviathan say, oh, well, everyone knows Benny, but but he's been dead for a while now. I'm like, my mind is going in 80 different directions because this is purgatory. We, 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 there's been so much speculation over what does it mean for, you know, the this is an afterlife, right? Yeah, if you die when you're dead, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. What does it mean for the monsters in purgatory that that are that are killed in purgatory do they just recycle is it endless like call of duty respawns and <laughs> like what is this what what is this afterlife and in here we have bidding is dead and bidding is gone and this is being explicitly stated and now i have to confront like what does it mean when you die in the afterlife yeah and you talking in the after talk special for this episode really was like, oh my god, light bulb moment about it. All right, because I'm trying to puzzle it out. Like, how does that make sense? But in the after talk, um, the the one thing that you can compare it to is the death of a demon. Hmm. Because what is a demon other than a twisted human soul from hell? From hell, from from the afterlife, and when a demon dies, they go to the empty. When an angel dies, they go to the empty. We, I, I guess when a monster from purgatory dies, they go to the empty. And what is a monster in most cases, other than you know a twisted human soul, just like or or a corrupted human soul, just like a demon? Exactly. So. So, wow, wow. And you were the one that was like, we haven't yet seen a human die in heaven. So I wonder what that, what would happen then? But it's just so crazy to me. Like you can die in the afterlife. Yeah. And then you just kind of get unmade into the empty, except not really unmade, but kind of unmade. And it's interesting. It's interesting. Oh, and I have thoughts about the empty to talk about at the end of this episode too. Okay. But for now... At the casino, Chuck is now arguing that Sam's hope is misplaced. That really they only have small odds to win, but more importantly, they don't actually want to win. They just don't know that yet. Yeah, yeah. And Sam is, he's got his his stubborn face on. He's like, oh yeah, you'll see. And Mm -hmm. Chuck says, I mean, basically Chuck is going to say, No, really, let me show you. Yes. So he offers a glimpse into the future. And, I mean, Sam, I'm like, God bless you, Sam, but your curiosity was really undermining your faith this episode. Yeah, definitely. It comes in right after we have this first flash forward. Yeah. Yeah. So this flash forward takes us to April 17th, 2020, shortly before midnight, And we have Sam and Eileen there on laptops researching cases, it looks like. They're looking for some. And Dean is there, too. He's sitting in one of the big comfy couches, and he is almost asleep. And Sam is kind of teasing him for it. And it's just all really domestic, really 
content um and chill in that like like you said they're looking for cases but they're not finding they're not even finding cases they're yeah, all they found like florida man eaten by alligator like they're all breathing a sigh of relief because this dude died by natural causes quote unquote <laughs> right right and and Cass is there as well. He's bringing everyone a round of beer. And Dean says, stands up and says, hey, I I say we call it. Let's just watch a movie. And, and... Uh, Sam, the um, R Sam, the not feature Sam, he is a projection in this vision and he's leaning forward. He's like, oh my gosh, this is great. He's got his happy face on. And Sam is obviously like, no, this is, this is a great future. This is, this is the dream future. But of course, that's not what Chuck brought Sam here to see uh sam's phone rings um, yeah the pocket watch verse yeah yes pocket watch verse the pocket watch verse uh, sam's phone rings and it's jody and sam answers the phone all smiles and says hey jody and then we cut to (sighs) this the, the the scene that we got that we got stressed out about when we saw the shaving people punting things i didn't know how to say it i was i was like that we have had on our minds since that shaving people hunting things promo that came out just last week but we have jody in her car and and she is real beat up and she is pretty shell-shocked her voice is hollowed out. Yes. And she's describing this case that she and Claire went on, you know, thinking it was a small vampire nest, maybe three of them. But when they went in there, it there was a lot more. And what she is just so shell-shocked, like you say, is she's trying to say that Claire is dead. Yeah. Claire didn't make it from this unexpected volume of monsters from what should have been a routine hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And our Sam sitting in the corner, he's hearing this conversation and he just says no before he's snapped back to the lucky elephant. And we have Chuck in front of him and just saying, see? Yep. Sam comes to back at that casino and Chuck is saying that that's just the beginning. And he gives Sam the pocket watch that he can use to see the quote unquote other side of victory. And Sam tries counter arguing, saying that there's nothing Chuck can show him that'll change his mind. But Chuck successfully baits Sam's curiosity. Yes, this is where the curiosity killed the cat. Chuck is has this pocket watch and he says... Any day, any time, wind it forward, and you'll see. You'll see what happens. And and he says, "Come on, Sam. Don't don't you want to see the future?" And this is, I'm like, this is the snake tempting Eve with the apple in the Garden of Eden. Like, if you didn't, oh my god, yeah, I'm fine. I and I have I have thoughts about what. Sam said in in and how he said it when after this first vision um he said 
nothing you show me. And he cuts himself off, kind of shakes himself a little bit, and then says, you cannot change my mind. And I was wondering at that, what was he going to say? Oh, I know. Because when he said, nothing you show me, what what I filled in there was, nothing you show me is real. You are just showing me what 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 you think can manipulate me into changing my mind. So he started this off strong and like, you're a liar and, and, and you're not going to change my mind with these parlor tricks. So when Chuck is still kind of like, no, this is, this is my omniscience. This is what happens. I wonder when, I wonder when Sam changed his mind. He let doubt in the second yeah. he used that pocket watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Like, I feel like there is a huge conversation that can rotate around how much of what Chuck is saying is the truth and how much is this the ending he's crafted for Becky or, you know, how much sway do external forces have on this Is this Chuck just assuming the route that he's planned will be the one that is carried out in his absence? There's so many questions around that. I, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to have something to say about it later. But where I'm at now is that Sam is seeing these things and he just knows that if he sees it, then he could fix it. That's where he's kind of coming in. And mm. or or it's all a lie and doesn't matter anyways. So it, I think you're right that it's coming into Sam's curiosity was peaked in the fact that Chuck was saying, you know, there's cosmic consequences to locking me away. And Sam needed to know. That conversation that comes a little bit later, that that cosmic consequences conversation, that's when Sam flipped. Yeah. But Chuck was definitely teasing it before they went into the vision. And then to see the vision, to see that first death of the people they care about, that just, those two things together, Sam's like, fuck, I gotta know. Yeah. Yeah. And and we know Sam. This is not a weird choice for Sam. This is, this is very true to Sam. And I, it's, 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 uh... It, it's me saying, no, Sam, no. But also as a viewer, really loving it because of course Sam did that. Of course. Yes, exactly. Back to purgatory. Back to purgatory. We have Dean and Cass en route to the Blossoms and Nameless Leviathan is out front while they have a domestic. <laughs> I what, Who was it on Twitter that said something along the lines of, wow, we're really just going to be airing out our whole history behind this rando number five. I know. I think, was that Julie? I think it It was Julie. Julie. Oh my God. I love her. So we kick off this conversation though with uh, Cass and Dean hanging a few steps back from their, their, um, their tour guide. Yeah. Nature guide. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, and Cass says, I'm sorry about Benny. Yeah. And Dean follows it up by saying that he owed 
Benny his life. You know, there's a lot of guilt there. And Cass says this place just kind of brings that out in you. Guilt. Yeah, yeah. Dean is saying it's because of me that Benny's dead. And Cass is saying it's because of me that we were ever here to begin with. It's because of me that the Leviathan were freed onto the world. It, I... I carry my I carry that guilt as well. And he carries it every day. Yes, he carries it every day. And Dean then says, I I I know you're sorry, Cass, about Bell Belfagor and about mom. And I thought that was so like like Dean, your heart is almost in the right place but here is dean Mm -hmm. who is um trying to forgive and forget on he's he's trying to craft an apology out of the fact that Cass has given an apology yes yes and he's and by bringing up belfagor and bringing up um mary he is bringing up these perceived failures. Yeah, I know you're sorry for fucking up. Yes, I know you're sorry for fucking up, which is like the wrong sentiment, obviously. Well, Dean's still channeling his anger a bit, like his still self-vindication in that anger. And so he's doing this half-ass apology by saying, oh, I know you're sorry. But Cass, thank God, is not allowing it. He's saying, like, this doesn't count as an apology because it isn't one. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, I'm actually talking about Jack because I feel the guilt that I feel the most is is in that I fail Jack and I carry that with me. And and he says, I already apologized to you, R.E., Belfagor, Mary, and these things that 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 made Dean so angry and ultimately like drove Cass away. And and Cass here is saying, I apologize, you just refuse to hear it. Yeah. And this is where Dean taps back into the anger. He's like, Well, sorry I yeah. brought it up. Maybe if you didn't just up and leave us. Like, yeah. He yeah. he's wrangling his anger again. The second that he sees Cass isn't taking that fake apology as a real apology. Right, right. It's like, it's what Dean does. He tries to, you know, stick his toe in the water, but when it's hot, he gets mad. Yep. And Cass, again, is not giving an inch. No, he's finally challenging Dean on this behavior. He says, you didn't give me a choice. You couldn't forgive me and you couldn't move on. You were too angry. I left, but you didn't stop me. Yes, yes. Cass was apologizing, but yeah, yeah, Dean wasn't listening and there was nothing there for Cass, so he had to walk away. It was just this unhealthy cycle of Dean would see Cass, be mad at Cass, Cass apologizes, Dean refuses apology. And what can you do with that? That's exactly what Cass is saying right now. I couldn't do anything with this. I had to go, but you didn't have to let me go. Yes, exactly. And on top of I had to go, it was you let me go. You didn't stop me from going. You didn't show that you You didn't break the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's there, basically the TLDR. There's enough blame to go around. But Cass is acknowledging where his lies, and he's saying, "I already apologized about this. It's about time you acknowledge your blame." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we go back to the pocket watch verse. It is January sixth, twenty twenty one. Dean and Sam are driving away from a failed werewolf hunt. <laughs> werewolf wolf. I wrote down wolf and I was like, what the fuck's the right word again? <laughs> werewolf. Werewolf. So this is about 10 months after uh, the first vision. And reminiscent of Jody in her truck, um, we have now Dean and Sam bloodied and driving away from a burning field it looks like yeah it looks like they're driving through a fire yeah and and there's this tense moment of just like this you know something horrible just happened and sam breaks the silence to say all those people like we we failed all of those people. Yeah, we took too long. It's revealed that they were on a werewolf hunt and and they didn't even they didn't save anybody. Yeah. And there's a bit of tension between them because it sounds like Dean made the call that they waited to get enough force to go and attack these werewolves. Mm -hmm. But Sam thinks in the waiting, they led to the victims dying. They bled out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, we, um, we have just this little line that is Dean saying, Sam, we couldn't just charge in. There were way too many of them reminiscent of what Jody said on, there were, way more than we yes. would have expected yes and and i also get the sense that this is like a learned caution that uh sam is bucking against but it's something that they have to apply to to any given hunt at this point um yes through all of these pocket watch visions, we see Sam being the kind of self-destructive, driven, and John Winchester. Yeah, that's what Natalie was saying, was this was very reminiscent of the toxic John behavior, where mm -hmm. it is, do the job at any cost. Yeah, and Dean is trying to temper that a little bit. You know, in true mediator fashion, it's something he learned himself. Yeah. And like, what good is it if you die? What good is it when people die? Yeah. Li live to find another day. But you know, Sam is saying we could have done more. And yeah. Sam. He's thinking of the victims again. Yeah. Yeah. He's thinking of the victims. And Sam also says um, if, if Cass was still here, then he could have healed them. But then. Dean cuts in to shut it down. He says, well, he's not. So Yeah, don't. well, he's not. Yeah. yeah. And we discover this a little bit down the road, but because in this pocket watch verse, they successfully put Chuck away, that means that the mark was created. And in this world, the mark was with Cass. And at this point, 
Cass is no longer in the picture. Yeah, but this scene is we have that projection of Sam who is witnessing this scene and he, you know, this conversation, it ends on Sam believing that Cass, you know, they lost Cass here. Cass is dead. And not only that, but Dean says that the monsters are winning. Yeah, it's it's been a rough year. So back to purgatory. <laughs> and back to purgatory. Back to purgatory. Um, we enter into an open field that has some some rotting corpses, but on the plus side, purgatory blossoms. Yeah, they look like. The stinky octopus blossoms. Props to they, the props department. Props to the props department. I loved it. They look fucking gnarly, but in a cool way. Mm-hmm. And we have this, like, Leviathan skull with the teeth and all. I, 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 I would buy that fucking prop. It's cool. It was cool, yeah. And so they're heading for the Blossoms, as promised. But Cass realizes he gets stuck fast. And, oh shit, it's an angel trap. It's a tarp! It's a tarp! Yeah, yeah. There is a angel trap painted or, um, I don't know, chalked Burnt. into it, the grass. It looks, yeah. Uh, salted into the grass. <laughs> and, um... And I have no idea what an angel trap is, but it's got it's got uh, Cass held fast. Yes, yes. And so here we find out from the Leviathan that Eve, mother of all monsters, has a beef with Cass, and there's a reward out there for bringing him in. And it's like, wait, we if we get bring- and lo and uh-huh. behold, some more Leviathans pop out. And yes. Dean manages to kill one of them, but then the other one knocks him out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we brought in Eve, however briefly. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Eve. And Dean is knocked out cold. And after a commercial break, Dean comes back too, but only to find the field is scorched the 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 leviathan blossoms have been have been destroyed and Cass is gone yes and dean does this little no and then no. he starts calling for Cass, but there's no answer oh my gosh yes yeah Whew. that long shot though that long yes. shot where he's calling for Cass, I, I have not yet seen it gift, but I want to see how that shot uh, parallels to Dean's first shot in Purgatory when he's with Cass and then Ooh. suddenly he's not. And left, left alone in this, yeah, in, in this monster's den. Yeah. Oh, I calling would like to see Cass. that now too. <laughs> Good point. So... Yeah, definitely some purgatory feels going on. Mm-hmm. Pocket watch first? But you were saying, yes, pocket watch first? Pocket watch first. Yes. We are now on November 3rd, 2021. We have Sam prepping some guns for a hunt, but Dean is begging him to slow down. They just got back, but Sam is saying, nope, if we don't hurry, we'll miss the nest. It'll move on. We can still get it. Yeah. 
and and Dean is just exhausted and Sam is manic I would say yeah Dean you can see has just been really beat down and he's Mm -hmm. trying to get Sam to see it just doesn't matter anymore he says he's been trying to get Sam to see for months that it's time for them to stand down and Sam reacts really badly towards this he asks what happened to Dean you know ever since and Dean cuts him off no, he cuts himself off. Well, I mean, kind of. So, so this was really interesting because um, Sam says ever since, and then he kind of turns away and 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 doesn't finish the thought. But but Dean says ever since what? Ever since what exactly? Ever since we lost everyone that we care about? Mm-hmm. Ever since the Mark made Cass go crazy and I had to bury him in a Malik box? He goes ever since then. Yeah, like that's his. His big tirade there is ultimately like, what? I haven't been the same since that? Yeah. And and on, you know, where I felt that Sam was cutting himself off was in the previous flashback. And it's been, what, a, another, a year? It's been another 10 months. And we saw just in the last flashback that 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 Sam brought up Cass and and Dean lashed out at him for it. So I just liked this little moment where we see Sam restraining himself from, you know, bringing up Cass, but but now Dean is so beat down over it that uh he can say, "Yeah, ever since we lost everything, yeah, it hasn't been the same it is time to quit and sam just can't accept it yeah dean is pointing out what we're going to find out is the real thesis of the pocket watch first which is the monsters are everywhere they aren't even saving people anymore none of their friends are left they've either died or they've gotten wise and punched it in Mm -hmm. and here Sam tries to counter by saying, well, Bobby is still out there, Jody. And Dean goes, no, Bobby has a death wish. And Jody does too, ever since what happened to Donna and the girls. And after mm-hmm. Eileen, so do you. He's like, here's yes. all the death wishes lined up. Yes, yes. And and he says, what what we've been doing, this this isn't even hunting anymore. It's it's whack-a-mole. And I'm sorry, this is like a really serious moment, but I laughed. And I loved that visual. Like you uh-huh. can't even put together a strategy. You're scrambling the whole time. Yeah. It 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 is it is a good analogy. Like we're just reacting. We are on a constant retreat. And it, Dean closes it out to say we're not even saving people anymore. And that whole little piece there where Dean says, this isn't hunting. This isn't saving people. And like, what is the show other than saving people hunting things? Yeah. We're done. I'm done. And Dean just wants to put it down now. He's done. And Sam is still like, no, like, what happened to us going out swinging? But Dean mm-hmm. says, we lost, brother. We lost. I'm done. And it's at this point where even though Sam is calling for him, Dean leaves. And our Sam reacts to this and says that it's a lie. He demands for Chuck to return. And he says that... he. 
Chuck is just showing whatever he needs in order to get yeah. his way. Yeah, yeah. This is where, so initially, it's like Sam half believed that anything that Chuck was going to be showing him was a lie. Again, that where where Sam said, um, you can't change my mind, he was of two minds there in that, on the one hand, Chuck is just lying and showing me whatever he wants me to see, so it doesn't matter. And on the uh, on the other hand, um, if if this is a possible future, then then you know best to go in as informed as can be. And here with this scene, this is where he enters into that like like that denial, that desperation in no, this cannot be true. You're lying to me. But the reason why desperation comes in is that he sees the possibility of it. He does believe that, you know, maybe we could get here to this point. It's not something that I want to see for us, but it's something that could happen. So well, he's still really defiant about that, though. He's saying the Dean I know, the Dean who raised me, he would never give up. Ah, yeah. But what I think we're seeing from that is, yeah, season one, they might have been like that, but they have grown. They have built mm-hmm. a network of people and to have lost everyone, to either have been ostracized by those who have survived or to have to have buried or burned the ones who did not, that has just taken its entire toll on Dean. Dean is saying, like, this is not enough. I need my family to make it through this. And you are my brother. You are my family. But my family has grown since then. Yeah. Yeah. And I would... I would really read that line as reactionary where Sam is saying the Dean I know, the Dean who raised me, he would never give up. This would, he would never give in like that. But that's the same knee jerk place that has this pocket watch Sam being like, nope, we keep on hunting. If we hurry, we'll get to the nest. We'll beat them. We'll save the victims if we get there sooner. It's that same knee jerk place. It, it is a knee-jerk denial because I'm thinking of episode six, Golden Time, when Sam was talking with Eileen and saying, you know, after all that happened, I didn't think that Dean could recover from it. I had my doubts on that. So I I think that, you know, they have grown and and this is not outside of the realm of, possi- of of possibility and because it's not outside of the realm of possibility that's why sam is being so aggressively no 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 about it yeah he's trying to tell himself that this is just chuck making yeah. up the story that will make him lose hope but yeah. chuck is standing there saying nope i'm just the messenger at this point it's the truth and it's what comes next that you really need to pay attention to. Like, yes. And, uh, just a quick go back. Um, as you mentioned before, uh, this is a verse where Cass took the mark. And this is where we, we reveal that, that, uh, second vision, uh, of the pocket watch verse where we were led to believe Cass had died. Um, no, Cass took the mark of Cain in sealing God away and Dean, well, Sam and Dean, but Dean takes 
ownership of of Cass's quote unquote death by saying I had to bury him in the Malik box. Yeah. And and this is the tragedy of Cass's story in this verse in that he took on the mark of Cain and then had to ultimately be sealed away for the good and of the world. I feel like Cass would have lasted longer maybe. Like it's not even the maximum it was was like a year and a half later that he was buried. And what I can't help but thinking is like Claire's death helped like instigate his downward spiral and the losses that they had along the way just were doing no favors in that regard. Yeah. I mean, um, if we assume that uh, Cass had been already sealed away and not just gone from the Winchesters or out of the reach of the Winchesters in that um, January 2021 scene where mm-hmm. um, where they were driving from the uh, werewolf case. Um, then here, November 3rd, that is only, you know, two years from the present. So... So it it had been a pretty tight amount of time, like a year before they sealed him away. And all of these pocket watch verse scenes only happen in the next two and a half years. Like Chuck is saying, you only have two and a half years left if you do this. So is that really what you want to do? And look yeah. at all the devastation that is wrought in the interim. Um. So, so it is really just all the devastation that was wrought. I definitely agree that these stressors would um, compound on the Mark's influence. And, and I absolutely do not believe that Cass would have gone into taking the Mark. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more even in our world not just these pocket watch verse visions um where it was planned that Cass was going to take on the mark of Cain here and I just think that there had to be some sort of like contingencies in place Cass wouldn't let it have gotten to that critical point they wouldn't have gone into this knowing how the mark influences its bearer without a plan. And yeah. it's like how Natalie phrased it, that Dean essentially became Cass's power of attorney here, that they figured out while Cass was still of sound mind what their game plan was going to be. You know, if this breaks bad, what do we do? And so yeah. we can read between the lines and say it was planned out that when things started going bad, they would put Cass in the Malik box rather than see him go feral out outside their influence. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that between Cass and Dean, um, they would be, you know, as much as it hurts, as much as it, as devastating as it is, they would be pragmatic about it in a way. You know, Dean, who, you know, was going to throw himself into the Malik box himself, or, you know, Dean, throw me into the sun, Winchester, who went to death <laughs> to, for his own, you know, Mark of Cain contingency plan. It's just, 
I really like this episode because of the way the pocket watch verse is giving us so much with so little. Like, there's so many details that are off the page and yet present in the show because it's treating the viewers as savvy enough to put the pieces together and say these things have happened in order for what we're seeing to have happened. Yeah, yeah. It It's, I think you said this is our 2020 new inverse inverse from season five where we got this glimpse into the future that was the croatoan um apocalypse world Mm -hmm. and just by seeing our characters and just through the acting and the difference in um in characterization uh we got a lot of history of what happened in the these five years to bring us to this inverse where we are now our characters to bring our characters to this Mm -hmm. inverse where they are now and it's 10 years later and we're still running with it on on that that unspoken history yeah we as the viewers as transformative creators are still quite fixated on what we saw in that episode and i feel like the same thing is going on with the pocket watch verse that we're seeing here i'm like fascinated with it absolutely yeah but yeah we we're we're done with that for now and we are back to purgatory Uh uh-huh uh-huh and uh, Dean is still uh, m- making his way through purgatory. We don't really know where he's going, but he uh, is calling for Cass and he takes out his phone and we see that there is only 30 minutes left on the clock for this, for the, for the portal. So yeah. time is running out. Yeah. And he starts breathing heavily and we get the sense that he is realizing he may have to leave without knowing what happened to Cass. And he starts kind of underneath his breath saying, no, no, no. And he's like gasping. You can see he's getting glassy eyed and it's just really hitting him that he might be going back home without Cass. Again. And it's like what Rowena was saying, like, you don't want to go out with regrets. You want to fix this tiff while you can. And Dean is all of a sudden struck in the face that he may have let it go on too long and it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And he must remember how it felt the first time to have left Cass in purgatory and to think that that was the end of things. I mean, there's been many times when he's been left thinking that's the end of things, but, but this time has the added level of, is he leaving him or is Cass already dead? Like he doesn't have answers one way or the other. And you can see it's really hitting him that, you know, if Cass was alive, I would have found him by now. I, oh my gosh, on on that, if Cass is alive, if Cass is alive, we see Dean just getting overwhelmed. 
overwhelmed exactly and then we see dean have have a thought yeah and and that's where i'm like in this moment being overwhelmed with the thought of having to leave Cass in purgatory he's remembering what happened last time and he's remembering as i'm remembering that Cass, i prayed to you i prayed to you every night this is purgatory this was a year of Dean's life where he was separated from Cass. And what could he do? The only thing that he could do, pray to Cass. And that's mm-hmm. what he is going to do here and now. See, I was pulling from something more recent than that. What I was really drawn back to was episode 1301. And when Dean is just refusing to say Cass is dead, he is going back behind that fast food joint and he is kind of reluctant, but he's getting into a prayer. Like I got that same sort of sense of grief from him that Cass might be dead, but I'm going to give this a shot because it's the only thing I can do in this moment. And it's like, you're saying the only thing I can do is pray. Yeah. Yeah, I I did also um, think about thirteen oh one when when Dean was um, giving this prayer because it is the same grief as you said that we saw in him in that prayer to Chuck in thirteen oh one. There is a palpable desperation in him. Dean leans against this tree. As he leaned against the, the the wall of that shitty pirate burger place yeah. <laughs> in 1301, he braces himself to the tree and he says, Cass, Cass, I hope you can hear me that wherever you are, it's not too late. And this whole prayer is just threaded through with that desperation that please, please, please hear this yeah don't let it be be dead please don't be dead and 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 that that's where it brought me to 1301 in that in that prayer it was please i'm begging you bring them back it was the same raw like it's not a prayer it's begging yes yeah but but yeah, Dean opens up this prayer to Cass. He's going to pray to Cass and he and he says, I hope you can hear me that wherever you are, it's not too late. I, I hope that I haven't lost you already. Yeah. And he then apologizes. Yeah. He opens it by saying, I should have stopped you. Yeah. Like hearkening back to when Cass is saying, I left, but you didn't stop me. Mm-hmm. Dean is finally admitting, no, I should have. But it was easier for me to hold on to my anger than admitting I was wrong. You're my best friend, but I let you go. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're my best friend, and I let you go. Dean drops to his knees, again, just so overwhelmed with the thought that this could be it. This could be the end. And he's like sniffling. He's exhaling sharply. He's blinking his eyes shut, his fists shut. Like he is just really suffering. Yeah. To think that we're going, that we could, that this could be it, that we could leave it on this. Yeah. That Cass could be gone so quickly from him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because like you said, they were prepared this time going into purgatory. So they just thought, okay, we have a grasp on it. And then, holy shit, the rug got pulled out from under us. And now here is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And we have been seeing from Dean in the past few episodes that um, he was, even if he was angry... At this point, it was more of a stubbornness than an anger that was fueling his his you know attitude towards Cass. And that, as he's saying here, it's just easier to hold on to his anger than to than to forgive Cass or to call Cass back. To- yeah, because to mend things, he would have to look at it openly. And instead, what he's doing is he keeps on reaching back and touching that ember of anger so that he doesn't yeah. have to do that scary, hard thing. But he's finally saying, like, I don't know the source of that anger anymore. I don't know why I get so angry. It's just always been there. And when things go bad, it comes out and I can't stop it. No matter how bad I wish I could, I just can't. Yeah. Here he's he's not only begging forgiveness, he's he's confessing to to his failures. Yeah, this is cracking open that emotional armor and being like, "Hey, here's the scary stuff inside that I don't like to look at, let alone tell yeah. other people about." Yeah. But how about the awareness in no matter how bad I want to stop it, I can't. S- and it's just it's it's one of those things where you're completely aware that you are pushing the people that you love away. Yeah, you are shooting yourself in the foot and you know it. Yes, yes, but it's it it's so hard. It's to... so ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dean says, "So I was angry, but I but it's not your fault, Cass. It's me. Yeah. And he's saying, so I I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. And I'm sorry it took me till now to say it. Yeah. And when he says that it, it, until now, that's when it hits once again, like this this is this could be it. What yeah. what have I done? And Dean again reiterates I I hope you can hear me for the love of everything I hope you're not dead I can't lose you you can't be gone I hope you can hear me yeah it's that double hit of I hope you can hear me I hope you can hear me yes yeah and then he's like sniffling he shakes his head you know you can see he's bucking himself back up and he yeah. wipes his eyes and he stands up and does a little okay and just continues on his way towards the rift. Oh my god. That okay, he killed me in a single word. Oh, like I was already I dead, but <laughs> I know. this whole bit, like, okay, we've talked about the content, but the way that it was done, Jensen was so open and raw and just crumbling like he fell to the ground during this and and the vulnerability and the difficulty of looking into those like darkest parts of yourself um jensen says dean is a part of me i know dean winchester as well as i know myself and and this is just one of those moments where jensen brings 
it up to a level that I feel few actors can can mm-hmm. reach because simply because of the fact that it is so real to him and it's something that he can tap into on this is Dean Winchester and this whole conversation it was such an interesting reveal into the psyche of Dean Winchester yeah of Dean thinking that Cass might be gone for good and mm-hmm. he didn't get to even do a proper goodbye and, and again, like, we've seen him lashing out. We've seen him holding back. We've seen him bottlenecking in his emotions. But here, he's finally, like, lancing that wound and letting it flow free. And in a way that we very, very rarely see from Dean. I can think of, like, two or three other instances that I'm not going to get into in yeah, I right now. But... I can only really think of one that was at the same level. Yeah. I I would say the conversation with Chuck in season 11 when Dean uh, confronted Chuck on where were you? If you are God, then what have you done for the world? Uh, That was a level of vulnerability that matches this with the uh, season four when uh, Dean got back from hell and was talking with Sam at the car. Like, that was a big one. And then the season 12 uh, Mary uh, mind meld scene. See, I'm only putting the, the hell one at the same level because it is the vulnerability combined with the perceiving himself as failing that Mm -hmm. really is what's hitting me that's the chords that it's striking for me i like that i agree with that it's a confession yes as well as a plea (sighs) so yeah that happened fuck buck up buck up buck up okay we're fine we're fine this is fine yeah, let's pocket watch. <laughs> <laughs> pocket watch. We return to the same date that we were last on, November yeah. 3rd, 2021. And this time Sam is ready to go and he is raiding that nest with or without Dean. Yeah, uh, Sam goes in, confronts Dean, says, I'm going with or without you. And Dean, I see this as a death march. And Dean knows it. So Sam, earlier in the day, he's like, what happened to Butch and Sundance? What happened to going down together? Uh, and, and Dean didn't want to. No. Nope. Dean, D- Dean didn't see the value in that anymore. But, um, but here where Sam says, like, I'm going with or without you, Dean says, well, I guess I don't have a choice then. And he goes because at the end... He he can't just let his brother die. Right. And Chuck and our Sam are watching this. And yeah, Chuck is saying that Dean should just follow his gut. But you know, Sam, if you want to see for yourself, just roll that pocket watch forward. And so Sam does, but he finds that it jams on December 9th, 2022nd. And Chuck says, that's as far as it goes, Sammy. The end of the line. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even like a victorious end for them. What we're feeling is just this resigned step 
along the ruts of their life. You know, they have this traditional course that they follow, the saving people, hunting things. But it's fell off the rails months ago and Sam's just unwilling to accept it and Dean is unable to allow his brother to go out on his own. So they're going into this death march exactly as you said. And our Sam who's watching this, he's like, no, it can't end like this and and Chuck just says, well, see for yourself. Yep. And so we're left on that looming note for now. Mm-hmm. Back in Purgatory, we have uh, Dean checking his timer one last time, and there is three minutes left on the clock. Yes. And he must be close to the rift because he hears his name, and he readies his shotgun, but he finds Cass sitting at the base of a tree. And both are just, again, they are high emotions. Cass is injured, and... It's like, I made it? You made it! Like, what do you mean you're shocked I'm here? I'm shocked you're here! <laughs> I love... I actually really like this. Because because Dean made his way back to the rift, and so did Cass make, made his way back to the rift. And I think about, you know, Cass, he's stuck to the plan. Cass is yeah. like, yeah, of course I'm here. You said if we get separated, then we just, you know, split up and come back here. And, and he's like, I'm here! I'm glad you're here. (laughs) And Dean is just so relieved to see him that he, like, linebacker checks into Cass, giving this (laughs) huge hug, still kind of gasping with shock and relief. And then Dean pushes him back and asks if Cass is okay. You know, what happened? And Cass gives this quick rundown that the Leviathans were only after Cass, so he figured he would go kind of take the bait with him and leave Dean hopefully alive and he went along with it until he saw a leviathan blossom and then he fought his way free and got away with the blossom yeah yeah and Dean says fuck Cash, you did it he doesn't say that but <laughs> he's looking that. to praise Cass like He's spent so much time being like, here's your fuck-ups, Cass, one after another. Yeah. And here he's making a point to demonstrate he sees Cass succeeding and he is going to say it. He's not going to just bottle it. Yes, yes. I definitely pinged on that. That's very true. Uh, that was a good That was a good nod in the writing that, um, that Dean is it, Dean did purge himself of something in that prayer and we're 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 seeing the the effects of that right here right now yeah the kind of come to Jesus about it of okay if uh-huh. Cass is here I'm getting a second chance and I'm not going to fuck it up yeah yeah and, and that hug was very again paralleled reminiscent of the uh, riverside hug in purgatory when they found each other the last time mm-hmm. so um but but yeah in you know this is my turning over of the new leaf of a new leaf uh uh, Dean says, like, Cass, I, I have to tell you something. And Cass just says, no, you don't have to. I, I, I heard your prayer. Yeah. 
And Dean rocks a little with that. Like it's settling into him that, oh, I did emotionally break down and it was heard. You know, that's <laughs> the second part of it. I, I, I mean, I just think that this is the tropiest trope to ever fucking trope because throughout the prayer, we had Dean like explicitly saying, please be hearing this because if you're not hearing it, that means you're dead. So to see Cass alive, that means like, okay, he did hear my prayer. So what did Dean have to say that was separate from the prayer? That's my question. I don't think it was separate. It was, I'm going to say it to you. It's the same way that you did it, Cass, is being verbally acknowledged. Dean was ready to do that again, I feel. Not in the same vulnerable state, but in the, I am so sorry, I was wrong, I should not have let you go. You are my best friend, and I was wrong to do that, like... I I feel that Cass misunderstood that to be the case and Cass to cut Dean off to say, no, you don't have to say it. I already heard you. That I don't think that that is what Dean had to say. What do you think uh, he had to say, Remy? Uh, well, fuck you, B. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that cast just i knowed dean winchester yes and and we'll leave it at that i mean particularly when we're talking about dean now wanting to use his words winchester and cast is like <laughs> no you don't gotta like don't discourage him but again anxiety me is like you have less than three minutes on the clock you fuckers whole ass through that rift and then have a conversation like fuck Fuck where you're doing this right now. <laughs> I know, I know. Cass is like, yeah, but, you know, they're still after me, so we should probably hurry. And Dean just says, okay, priorities. I gotta tell you something. Dean's like, I have a new skill and I need to practice it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. Dean's face here, too. I swear to God this whole fucking episode and then we get the fucking next scene with the fangies i'm thrilled and horrified <laughs> and next, delighted the next scene pocket watch first december 9th to 2022 uh a, 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 another full year after that that last scene Yes, that we, we just have saw. Dean and Sam now barricading themselves into a room, and this is their Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid moment uh -huh. that they're going out swinging. And the surprising twist here is that it isn't monsters approaching, but it is hunters, including Bobby and Jody. And oh my god, Sam and Dean are vampires. Yes, yes. There's a brief moment where uh, Bobby. Uh, stops Jody to say, are you sure we want to do this? It's Sam and Dean. And yes, they will because Sam and Dean themselves have become the monsters. Yeah. And I don't think it was Bobby being like, are we sure? It was Jody. Are you sure you want to do this? Cause I can handle this, but I'm not sure you want to go through putting them down. Another loss. Yeah. <sighs> 
boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, I would also think that there's got to be some level, like, higher level of of camaraderie that's come through in these these last few years of very trying times. Yes. yes Especially in the fair. hunter community. Yeah. So, but it's like, when you think of the Bobby... Like this is alt first Bobby. Let's not be fooled, okay? Versus yeah, yeah, Jody, who has known them since season four, season five. So this Bobby's yeah. like, I ain't got a relationship with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So we have a vamp Sam and a vamp Dean, and um, and and they are a- attacking to kill these hunters, their family. The 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 four hunters that we see storm the room that uh, Dean and Sam are in. Dean and Sam take out the two that we uh, haven't really seen before, the two unnamed hunters. Yeah, but Sam then splits a throat, and Dean tosses the other through a window. Yeah, and then when Jody and Bobby enter in, Jody takes advantage of Sam's distraction to shoot him with uh, a dead man's blood bullet, and then Dean attacks Jody and kills her by tearing out her throat. Yes, <sighs> and then Bobby machetes Sam because Sam yeah. is paralyzed by the dead man's blood. So yeah, when that karate chop happens that's when our sam snaps back into the casino and he's gasping and chuck is asking sam so what'd you think it's a crappy ending you and your brother deserve better like (sighs) that fucker i like this is just a more sophisticated platform of the so what did you think that he gave to to becky to becky yeah. in episode four yeah 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 it's a crappy ending no you're a crappy writer truck yeah i think julie said that too <laughs> uh, he he's trying chuck is trying to tell us this is the truth but i'm still not buying it but it is convincing enough for sam to kind of take pause on there and he's saying that he doesn't buy it, but Chuck is insisting that, you know, despite all our differences, you and your brother still matter to me, and I want better for you both. And Sam is pointing out, well, I've I've had my visions. Um, the connection that we have has allowed me to see your other endings, and they don't look any better. But Chuck goes, no, but is the one I showed you better or worse? Like... I, I would argue that we are still not to the point when when Sam, again, flips on his position on, yeah. are these lies or, or is is it something that I should take seriously? Right now, he has nothing but Chuck's word on things. He hasn't been given time to... Um, to think it out fully, but he will, he will in just, in just a couple of scenes. Um, this, this, uh, monster Sam and Dean though, like you're saying like, Oh, well, I'm not really buying it. This is the one scene where, uh, in the pocket watch verse where I also didn't fully get behind it just because to think that a monstrous Sam and Dean would go that bad. It seems pretty like antithema to, to, uh, what we know of of Sam and Dean Winchester, but 
But on the rewatch, to know that it had been a full year. Exactly. After they had been turned. This wasn't Sam and Dean, the three-week-old vampires. This was a Sam and Dean who have a year under their belt to get comfy in this monstrous skin. And yeah, yeah. I think you said yesterday in the after talk, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, and and it's it's like they're saying, Butch and Sud dance, going down swinging. Yeah. And I think also the circumstances they were in prior to that nest raid gone bad are critical to think about because we have Dean who has given up all hope saying, you know, the monsters have won. And we have a Sam who is just stubbornly clinging to the thought of, if I keep doing my job, it means something. So they've lost almost all of the elements who are actually tying them to a human, sympathetic, full characterization of who they are. Like they've been really worn down to these husks of who they were. And so for them to die in that situation, I can see it being a lot harder for them to rally against that. And in fact, it being a lot easier for them to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. It to, to turn in these circumstances is like just, Truly the death of Sam and Dean Winchester, the human uh, uh, characters that we know. And it's, you know, they've lost literally everything and everyone. So so all they have is each other. Yeah, so like the whole pocket watch verse is watching Sam and Dean lose all hope. With the hopes that it makes the present day Sam lose hope. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like it was a hand-picked possible future. Uh, yeah. In order to show Sam exactly what Chuck wanted him to see. Chuck set up a situation that he knew Sam's curiosity would override his caution. And then the curiosity just fed on itself. You got to keep watching. You got to keep watching no matter how sick it makes you feel. Yeah. And then at the end of it, Sam is shaken. You know, there's been this knife hacking away at the rope that is holding him to hope. And it's down to that tiniest of threads left. And Chuck is just waiting for Sam to snap it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at this point, um, Sam does recognize it as a possible future, but, but when we come back to him, he, he is still telling himself, like, I can change it. I can make it better. Mm-hmm. So, but first we have, uh, Dean and Cass back in the bunker and, yes. and they are working the spell that will be the, um, the, the, the cage that they want to seal, uh, Chuck up in. Yes. So the essence of the cage, if you will, is being placed into this orb. And Cass is saying that he will take the mark. So either Sam or Dean will have to use the sphere on Chuck in order to contain him. 
Yes, yes. And and here we're seeing um, what could be the kickstart to the pocket watch verse happen right before our eyes. And and it's really putting a sense of urgency into us, the viewer. And then when uh, when Sam is confronted with like, I need to make a choice right here, right now, it's it, the pressure is on. Yes. And it's also with the fact that Cass is saying, you know, you can't take the mark, I will, that we get the sense, okay, this is going to be the thing that they have to talk about, you know? And I think we we get this one scene just after the next one where the Cass and Dean are driving in a hurry, but I'm assuming the conversation is happening then of, okay, so if you end up with the mark, then how does this play out? I mean, it could, yeah, but I, I also liked what you said um, earlier in one of the uh, future scenes where, you know, uh, when Cass took the mark, there uh, a lot is happening in between uh, him taking the mark and and him ultimately being sealed away for it. I mean, we saw that April 2020 scene where where he's you know he seems okay everyone's happy everything's okay until it's not so there is time other than just you know this this two-hour drive yeah but i do feel like they would want to consider that sooner rather than later yeah i don't know so many um uh you know, behind the curtains uh, conversations, so many uh, blank spaces in this episode that we could fill in with with our speculation and uh, those conversations that that could have happened. Yeah, it's uh, for every scene that we get this episode. There's four more that are happening in the background or are happening in the interim. It's it's oh bobo so fucking good it's really good and back at uh the lucky elephant casino um sam is is struggling that doubt like you said is coming out in him and he's showing it he's showing the cracks in in that armor where he's saying if we win but then he quickly corrects himself to say when we win when we beat you I'll make it better. This is where I was saying like he he's now clutching very tightly to that. I can change it. It, I can make it better. It it won't happen that way. I wouldn't even say he's clutching tightly to it. I would say he's losing his hold on it. It's Mm. like he's falling asleep and oh, my hand let go a little bit and it slipped that little bit more. And eventually I'm going to reach the end of the rope like he is realizing that he's losing grasp on that hope. Yeah. And Sam is saying, like, I'll make it better. But but Chuck is saying, you can't. You, yeah. you won't. You guys might have broken the rules in the past. Like, oh, it's so Promethean of you. But yeah. there's cosmic grade shit that Sam just can't know about. But Chuck does. And yeah. It's here where Sam realizes the point of the visions that even if I don't think 
this future is my only future. The thing that I can take from it is the monsters. What was going on with the monsters? How there became more and more and more of them until eventually we were overwhelmed. And it's just like, ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. Yes. This is where I am so fucking chef's kiss to the writing. Because this is not a MacGuffin. This is... This is real consequences where where Chuck is being truthful here in saying, no, no, look, this is not just about you. Like, oh, vamp ending, tragic, horrible, but... Let's look outside of your story and look at the mm-hmm. the cosmic consequences in that the what he calls the headliner news is the monsters. And if you seal me away, the scales of that balance of good and evil in the world will tip and and the monsters will run wild. So no matter how you tweak it, Ultimately, the world will suffer for this. And yes. this is when we go when we go big picture with it with it, um, this is where uh uh I say Sam breaks. Well, because what the writing has done here is it's really definitely disarmed the question of is Chuck lying or not. Mm-hmm. The writing the crafting of this to say the monsters are the focus does away with that question. Doesn't matter if Chuck was lying or not. The yeah. fable, you know, the Aesop's fable that we're getting here is if you lock Chuck away, you have removed that thumb off the scale and without God, darkness prevails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through the visions, Chuck took away that you're lying security blanket because Sam could see that this could be a possible feature and it could be the truth that that omniscience um and then with this scene here Chuck is taking away the I can make it better I could save it no matter what because because it's not just about you Sam and you Dean there's 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 a bigger picture here yes it's a law of nature Yes, yes. And I love it. Love it when we go cosmic with stuff like this. It's, it's very interesting. And, um, and the writing was, like you said, very deft here in that Chuck is not lying. Like, like, like you cannot fault Sam for, for doing what he does. Well, the writing is making Sam right in what he has done. Yes. But it feels wrong. It feels so yeah. terrible. And it is because you can't sit there and go, Chuck tripped him and that's why he did it. Yeah. You can't look at anything like that. You go, Buck, the lying antagonist told us truth and now he's forced our hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. Sam did the right thing. But it feels, it feels bad in that yeah. we, we, we have forced, the writing has forced us to agree with 
the antagonist of the story. Yeah. yeah exactly. The that. writing has obligated our protagonist to put down their blade during a fight. And you're yeah. like, fuck. Fuck. This oh is not God. how we want it to go for them. They want to butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid this. And yet they've been put into the corner of, I need to stay my sword. Because mm-hmm. if I do this blow, everything falls apart. And from from there, we we cut back into the lucky elephant, but it's from the perspective of Cass and Dean, who are now stalking through the quiet aisles of empty slot machines. And and they come out and they and, and they find Sam. Yes. So Sam starts calling out for them and Dean gets his little switchblade out and he's cutting Sam free and Sam is saying that Chuck is close. Mm -hmm. But before he can really even get that out, Eileen is right there and she is beaning Dean with one of these, like, I don't know what they're called. You use them at movie theaters to corral people through the lines. Yeah, yeah. It's like the rope uh, weight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the, yeah, the... Velvet rope. And Dean is saying to Eileen, I don't want to hurt you, but like Cass comes off from the left side being like, I won't <laughs> hesitate, bitch. And just like body checks her, like not vi- violently, yeah. but he does like subdue her to the ground yeah. by tackling her. And Sam gets a hold of Dean's errant knife, and Dean uses his opportunity of facing down Chuck to punch him in the face. Yeah, Chuck shows up and is now, you know, occupying Dean, and Dean just clocks someone, and oh my god, it was it was so like Chuck just came right back to look at Dean like really really i'm god yeah. really yeah and uh, dean can only say yeah well y- you know i had to yeah so chuck punches him in the face also <laughs> he's like me too <laughs> yeah since i'm flying across the room yeah but while this is happening this this is distraction enough for Cass to roll the orb that as you said, holds the essence of the cage uh, to Sam and and both Dean and Cass are encouraging Sam, smash it, trap him, smash it. Yes, but Sam can't. He wants no. to, but he hesitates and he collapses and this orb rolls free and it ends up at the feet of Chuck. Yeah, like you said, it's the right thing to do. We... We see, we are, we have been shown that it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't feel like the right thing. Yeah. And Cass and Dean don't know why. Yeah. And Sam is saying, I can't. And Dean goes, what? And Sam just iterates, like, I'm sorry, I just can't. So Dean turns on Chuck instantly, and he is asking Chuck, what did you do to him? Yes. Yeah. But but Chuck, he says, to give the long and short of it, uh, I broke him of all hope. Mm-hmm. And then he crushes the orb in his hand. And... Well, first, mm-hmm. when Dean asks that of Chuck, we have that momentary glow. And 
Sam's doubt releases the wound. Like, there's the glow in his shoulder and there's the glow in Chuck's shoulder. And we realize that by not cracking the orb and capturing Chuck, then... Sam just had that moment of faltering and it was enough to relinquish that unintentional hold on God. Uh Uh-huh. I I, I feel bad about it now, but my notes say Sam literally drops the ball. Oh! (laughs) But Sam, I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh my god, smarmy Chuck is smarmy. I mean, as much as I hate him, but love to hate him, Rob in this episode is just great. He, he, he plays Chuck so well. So well. So good. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, Sam and Chuck are both healed. Chuck is free to re- free to roam once again and he takes a moment to talk to Dean and Cass and say you know take it easy on the kid it took a lot to beat it out of him mm-hmm. and Dean just glares at Chuck mm-hmm. as Chuck grabs the sphere and then shatters it and asks what now you're not going to dust us too like Dean is Still defiant in the way that Chuck has spent all episode beating the defiance out of Sam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because Dean is saying, no, you won't kill us. That's not your end game. Sam got a glimpse into your drafts, Dean says. And and we know what you want, but we're not going to give it to you. Yeah, but this is where we get kind of a surprise reveal for us as the viewer. Chuck reveals that those endings that they saw were actually other Sams and other Deans. They were memories. They weren't plans. And so that is just kind of another core shaker there because he's like, just like you, they didn't think that they would do it either. But guess what? They did. And so will you. Like trying to instill this inevitability of it into them. Yeah, it was a a shocker, but a good shocker, a good um kind of reveal uh to hear that these alt verses that we saw from uh Sam in the early episodes of the season were not just I- ideas or discarded drafts from Chuck's playbook. They were actual, you know, alt endings um, in, in in alternate universes. And we had, you know, we, we had Chuck before say, like, of a thousand Sams and a thousand Deans, you guys are my favorite that we heard from him in, in season 14 in Moira. And um, it is, again, that just, like, chilling character that chuck can sometimes be yes and this scene is where my questions in chuck what do you want chuck what are your motivations in all of this because from what i'm seeing and from what sam and dean are seeing it is truly just i want this to happen so it's going to happen i.e dean killing sam or vice versa it. Well, it we saw it at the start of last episode, of episode eight. We had Chuck sitting at the slots and winning repeatedly, 
game yeah. after game after game. That's what he wants. He wants what he wants. And he wants to be victorious all the time. And so I feel like what we saw at the end of 14 was Sam and Dean going, no, we're not doing that anymore. And Chuck is not used to that happening to him. And anyone who has really done that to him, he has ground into the dust. So that's what he wants at this point. Yeah, yeah. But here, it was super chilling for Dean to say, like, you won't dust us. And Chuck saying, no, I won't. I could, but I won't. Because because I have decided that you cannot defy me. And, and I'm going to get th- what I got from every other iteration of you that I created. Well, and I'm going to get the thing that you never think you'll give me. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm like, God's motivations are officially creeping me out. Because at this point, it's it, it's it's pure stubbornness. It's, it's back to power is what it is. It's pure ego. He's, yeah. He's showing his control over Sam and Dean. He's saying, you guys have such faith and free will and you'll be able to do whatever you want. But I'm telling you that all roads lead to one end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's like, he's saying, he's saying that I'm telling you all roads lead to one end. Uh, uh, but because it's, it's Chuck, he has decided that it must be true. And again, it's just all ego. It's... Well, I also think it's you have this omniscient being that depending on how powerfully he puts the squeeze on your life, like you're going to see how much free will and I mean, spoilers for next episode, but what it means to be outside of God's favor. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it is purely all talk or like just ego. I do think it is like... I have this power. Like, it's talk with backup behind it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But but it's it's all about, the, like, the motivation. What is the motivation? Like, where, where the creepiness comes in is, like, why does he care so much that this one thing, these two humans do because what it's his favorite ending. Yeah. It's his favorite ending and his favorite characters, and he hasn't been able to watch his show since they've defied him, and so he's throwing the biggest fuck you at them and saying, what's the thing you would least want to do? Like, you spent your whole life being like, I would protect my brother. Well, that's not how it's going to end for you. It's going to be the opposite. Oh, I just had a horrible thought. Uh, we We know that... You know, he's had other verses where where he just he's just done this. He's played out Sam and Dean's story in in all these different ways. But I wonder if if it, this is just the one that's lasted the longest. You know, because- well, this is the one who has broken the most rules and yeah. has gotten to the point because I don't think these other Sam and Deans were aware of God's manipulations in this. I think this is the first pair who have actually discovered this and are now rallying against it. And so Chuck's motivations is getting the reins back on that wild horse. I like that. And I and I I agree with that because like talk about heebie-jeebies when 
um, Chuck said to Sam, like, you know, our friendship, uh, this is, we've had our ups and downs, but we can get through this too, guys. Um, He's talking to all the Sams and Deans. He's, I'm thinking that he's talking to this Sam and Dean. This is God who has met the, 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 the fanboy who has met his favorite actors who play his favorite characters. And he's decided that we're friends now. And And like, you guys have gone off script, but that's okay. I'll bring you back in. Yeah, yeah. He he is the fan who is getting way too emotionally invested in the ending that he wants to see. And that he thinks he has a right to. Yes, the ending that he has a right to. So, so oh my god. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Five minutes ago, I had this big question mark over my head of like, of, of like, what are Chuck's like motivations here? How petty is he being right now? And, and it is, you know, there, there is something behind this. There's a lot behind this. It's There's um, so much behind this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at lads. It's fucking intense, and I love it. Yes. God's back. And officially creeping me out. Yes. And, okay, so back into context here, we have Chuck who has beaten down Sam and who is gloating. You know, this is the end you're going to get. And then we have Dean seeing these two things, like, you messed with my brother's head, and now you're telling me that we're going to kill each other in the end? Dean stands up and he's just like, no, not this Sam and not this Dean. So you go back to Earth yeah. 2 and play with your other toys because we will never give you the ending you want. And he has been like stalking forward to Chuck. And at this point, they're practically nose to nose with Dean glaring down at him. And Chuck just goes, we'll see before he poofs away. Yeah, because Chuck already said his piece. He said, you know. The other Sams and Dean, they didn't think that they would ever do it either, but we'll see. And he just got a massive win under his pocket of getting Sam to not put him in. He didn't put me in a jar. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I said in the retro speculation just a week ago, like, I felt that a lot of what Chuck, a lot of Chuck's motivations were, you know, stemming from his fear and his mm-hmm. insecurities and, you know, ha- being put in this situation, this uh, being put in this state of vulnerability that he had never experienced before and then lashing out because of it. But but here now he's he he feels uh, that he's on the top of the world again. Mm hmm. So and like speaking of vulnerabilities again. OK, so what did. Dean say just in his prayer there, he was talking about when things go wrong, I just can't stop it. No matter how bad I want to, this anger just comes out. And here we're seeing Dean getting into that like smoting anger, coming up into the face of God and being like, fuck you, we're not doing what you tell us to do. Yes. So we can see where that old trap would be. Like, it's such 
oh my God, the trap, the (laughs) subtleties that are going on between just the fact that that prayer was focused towards a specific instance, but also brought up Dean's behavior as a whole. And then we are seeing that illustrated again here. Things went all fucking wrong and Dean is pissed and he is just staring down at Chuck wishing he could still put him in the cage. Yeah. But we're going to see this pattern of his subverted in basically not the next scene, the one after. Right, right. Because because here we have Dean building up his anger and he's not informed on the whole situation. Um, and on the next scene that we see Dean, he could very easily just continue on with that anger but he he chooses i mean we'll see that he chooses not to so yes but the very next scene um is is, yeah eileen is packing a bag at the war table table (laughs) the war war table table. the 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 war table in the bunker um and yeah, they've made it home and yeah. Eileen is packing her bags and Sam is standing there saying that he wishes that she could stay. And she's like, I wish it too. But after Chuck's reveal of all of his manipulations regarding her, she is just a little fucked up about that because yeah. she doesn't know what's real anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not only is she a, a, a threat to the Winchesters or a vulnerability, like, uh, they don't know what Chuck could be seeing through her, or, or I don't know. Um, but okay, wait, I don't want to get into that because now that Chuck has his powers, he can see everything. It says he doesn't even need Eileen well, anymore. We, yeah, we don't necessarily know how that plays out, but we can. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because 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 uh, when I saw it the first time, I was like, well, yeah, of course she can't stay. She's the Donatello now. Um. <laughs> Uh, she can't say because she she's an unwilling and unwitting spy but but now that um chuck is at full strength that that is totally a moot point i now realize so so well i don't only- know about that i again i we haven't heard yet if that is fixed because uh-huh. of the wound being healed oh yeah yeah that's true i was just yeah but I think I think that um, regardless, her primary motivation is what she says it is. We can take that at face value in that she says, I don't know what's real anymore. And I just I need some time. Yeah. And sweet, sweet Sam. Oh, this was so good. Such a it was. a Oh, my God. OK, sorry. My little shipper no, heart. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> um, Sam stops Eileen on the way to the door, and he uh, cups her chin and pulls her into a tender fucking kiss, and mm-hmm. and then says, "I, I, I know that was real." And she nods, smiling, and she touches his face too, but she ascends the stairs and she has to go anyways yeah yeah regardless of how she feels about sam this is something she needs to do for herself yeah yeah and and this is like this dialogue is ringing familiar right familiar 
Yeah. Okay, a little this fucking zoo. song, like, as an aside to this song is the song that was playing during Dean's prayer, but this version's a little slower. Oh, really? Same music? Yep. Oh. Everything's but- fine. This dialogue is ringing very familiar because it is almost the exact same dialogue that we heard in a Cass and Dean conversation in episode two. Yeah, Um, it's the exact same sentiment that was going on of Dean saying, I don't know what is real and Cass saying, I do. Like, we are. We are real. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have our, basically like our core four are these two pairs that are leaning on each other very heavily for reassurance, um, their emotional, as unhealthy as it sounds, their emotional stability is being tied into each other. Um, with well, Sam their emotional richness comes from these other people in their lives. If they I lose like these better. people, yeah. they are the dimmer for it. Yes, yes. Thank you. Because because I didn't want to say, like, they're completely emotionally dependent on each other, Sam and Eileen and then Dean and Cass, because because that's actually by, by leaning on those two relationships, we are unraveling the codependence that, that we have seen before in Dean and Sam. So... We're again and again, 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 highlighting that to have cat <laughs> Cass go away <laughs> to, on the brain to, to have Sam and Dean alone in the end is 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 not what we're building to. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely not. Absolutely. If the pocket watch verse did not tell us strongly enough that that's not what we're doing, this <laughs> just further illustrates it. It does. They need their own person standing beside them in addition to the brothers. Right. And and even bringing in um, Jody and mentioning Donna and the girls and and uh, Bobby in this episode, it is, um, it's everyone. It is, it is, ev- as Dean said, it's everyone that we care about. Yes. It's so. the love that they have found in these other people and that they have put in these other people that sustains and enriches them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, I mean, cosmic consequences aside, uh, that is a large part in why Sam dropped that ball. Yeah. Because, because, um, as Chuck said, is this ending really better than than what you saw or what you expect from me? No, it's not. The Cain and Abel ending is not worse than Butch and Sundance. The Cain and Abel ending has like a contained splash zone. Whereas the contain Chuck ending, the splash zone hits the entire globe. But, But beyond the entire globe, the... Cain and Abel ending 
is devastating in and of itself, brother against brother. But as Chuck said, is this really better to have lost everyone, but still, you know, but still in, in that Butch and Sundance, us together going down swinging. It, it's not better. So, so the two endings being you kill your brother or you and your brother survive to the end, but you lose everything along the way. Yes. Yeah. It's Chuck is sitting there going, would you really say my ending is worse than yours? Yes. That is the exact sentiment I was trying to express. Um, it, it, it hit me, it hit me hard and it hit me as true when Chuck said, and again, you don't want to agree with your antagonist, but when Chuck said, is this ending really better than, than the others? Uh, your quote unquote happy ending. Uh, that is why Sam laid down his sword. Cause yeah. it's not. Yeah. So, so where were we? Um, <laughs> um, we are with Cass and Dean at the kitchen table and yeah. Sam enters. He's basically expecting reproach for what he did. You know, he dropped the ball, like you say, and Dean takes a moment to ask if Eileen left, and then he says he's sorry that she did. Yeah. But Sam really needs to get to what he's expecting, like this reprimand. And he says that this was their chance to stop Chuck, and it's dead silence. So Sam continues saying he believes that the future Chuck was showing him was real. And we also get to see the growth of Dean here because this is one of those good old archetypical moments where Dean would lash out angry if he tapped into that anger and just let it control him. But Dean has grown, not only yeah. in this episode, but in the past seasons. And he is almost surprising when he says, that's good enough for me. You believed it. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and if we can't trap him, we can't kill him. We'll f just find another way. Yeah. Cass and Dean, we're back to finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> what? Arrested Development. They finish each other's sandwiches. I've I've never seen that. Oh, that, well, that they show. put it in Frozen, too. Frozen <laughs> had a lot of Arrested Development references. Oh, really? I remember the yeah. sandwiches one. Yeah. But anyways, Cass and Dean are back to finishing each other's sentences. Yeah. Oh, we're, 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 oh, man, I was going to say we're back together, but, but, you know, Eileen is a big loss. Eileen yeah. is a huge loss. And um, not only that, but the very next scene shows us a buddy we've been missing. Hi, A Jack. buddy we've been missing. Dean says, we'll find another way. We cut to the empty. Yep. We cut to black, but it's not just black because Jack is there. And it's not just Jack there. It's Billy there. And I'm sicking. <laughs> I mean, Yes. Jack and Billy in the empty. Hello, my cosmic 
forces. Beauties. I will take you as my duas machina. I, I... I'm so fucking ready. Am here for it. Because this is our other way. And we have Jack, who is... <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw a Tumblr post that was like, but Jack, my favorite pastime in the empty, spinning in circles until I get dizzy <laughs> or Billy shows up. <laughs> so we, we have Jack who, who uh, is, is looking out into the universe and, and Billy says it's time and it is mm-hmm. fucking time. Here we go. Here we go. I can't wait. Yes. Yeah. I really like the implications that they had to wait for this situation to occur. For but 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 what would you say is the situation? God getting his powers back? God I would say Sam untethering from God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't necessarily think it is tied with them deciding not to capture Chuck but I could be wrong that could be the deciding factor but I feel it was removing that connection that was the key timing thing that had to happen well I'm thinking that if they had sealed away God then then I don't know that Jack would have ever come into the picture why wouldn't he well, why I I I'm thinking why does Billy care if the world is overrun by monsters? A soul is a soul is a soul. Because death believes in a balance. Oh. This is not a balance. This is the scale going completely whack. You're right. You're right. So where the fuck did Chuck pull this future from? I call foul. Okay, this is my thing. I don't think that Chuck can see inside the empty. I think the empty is a black box for him where he can pluck things out of, but he cannot see inside of it. I think that Jack in general is a blank spot for him. I think that it's been proven that Jack is a blank spot for 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 everybody. Mm, but I'm not talking about like Chuck ignores him. I'm saying Chuck cannot see inside the empty. And so even though Jack was resurrected at the end of 14 by Billy, or I should say woken in the empty by Billy, and like you've got work to do, he hasn't been out of there because I feel like the second that he's out, he becomes back on God's radar. I'm not, I'm also not saying that Jack is just not on God's radar. I'm saying that God cannot see jack i'm saying that the empty is not the black box jack himself is the black box because jack defied death jack defied when god with the with the little black book her one ending dean's only chance of i success. still come back to its choice and everything that changes that I I think that that is one read of things, but I I don't see why it couldn't also be a read on things that that the reason that Jack 
was put on Billy's radar is because he proved her wrong. I don't, that's not my theory at all. Uh, no, I know. I, 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 I know it's not your theory. That's my theory. Your, your theory is that Billy is the unreliable narrator. Billy No, is- I'm constantly questioning the reliability of her because she has secret motivations. Yeah, on the Billy thing, it's just like, we. I I mean, that is just so up in the air as I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be so, like, I, I think that the payoff is going to be really great when we see what her motivations actually are. Because I think that we're going to get a big reveal in Billy, but it's it's just, it. there's a lot of different possibilities in what that is. Yeah. We we talk about we talk about Billy being you know the king chess piece on our side of the board, and I think that she's finally making her move. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good! It's great. Yeah, can't wait. So can't wait. Uh, how's how's <laughs> final takeaways for for this episode? Mm, I think mine's just a really big umbrella of just the pocket watch verse. Like, yeah. That is such a huge gift. It just is filled with so many details and so many unspoken details that it just pulls itself, or sorry, it just becomes a puzzle in my mind. I got to just sit and stew about it and look at it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Like like a lot of the alternate verses or or the inverse of season 5, we see these you, you see what could be and you have to sit down and wonder how do they get there. And we mm-hmm. were shown we were shown a good bit of that, you know, through these glimpses, but there was just so much so much that that you could that you could parse out and like you said, those threads to untangle on, on what, what's happening in the background. Yeah. And what happened between these plot points that you showed us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love this pocket watch verse. It's, it was a great, like you said, it was a gift. Yes. So how about you, Remy? What's your takeaway? My, my final takeaway for this episode has to be uh, Chuck. And I just know that for me personally, what impacted me more than I expected it to was this insight into Chuck's motivations and... I mean, not even insight into Chuck's motivations, because Chuck's motivations are apparently the same as we've been, you know, we've been talking about for the past few episodes, like the the Cain and Abel ending. But he just got so twisted this episode, yeah. and and he got very, uh, very. I keep coming back to stubborn, even though I think that we 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 did that better when we talked about it a little bit earlier in which he he's so used to getting his own way 
Yeah. And on this one thing, it, I I just feel that this one thing being, like I said, these two ants, what should be ants to him, Sam and Dean Winchester, why do they matter so much to him? And that's a very interesting question to ponder. Why do these two Sam and Deans matter so much? And when it's all said and done, like he does have a history with them, but he doesn't actually care about them. No, not in a caring manner. No, no. So he cares about them the same way that you care about your favorite TV show. Yeah. Yeah. That you, that you feel should end how you, you know, feel it must. And like, you just, you feel differently between a person and a thing, and he doesn't differentiate in that regard. Yeah. He treats yeah. those two as the same behavior style. Yeah. And and I've said before that, like, like I, I, I think that it's no secret now that I find Chuck, like, very fascinating yes. as, as a villain, as a character, as a meta because because Chuck as a character is just like inherently at this meta level when it comes yes. to like the media of of supernatural. So so at this season we have brought supernatural to this like meta level and in every new episode on what is in game, what is Chuck, what are Chuck's motivations, it uh it's like I said just a deep well of of intrigue so yeah. that's where i'm at <laughs> i'm still i'm still like like hate standing chuck apparently so. <laughs> oh man i don't even want to be here i don't like this corner but <laughs> here you're i like am sam where you're like great i've been cornered by this bastard <laughs> i know i know it just it just makes the whole verse so interesting. It really mm-hmm. does. And it's honestly as much as I don't want the show to end, they're picking the perfect villain to go out on. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yep. Yep. And and that was episode 9. Only episode 9. Only, but still episode nine. (laughs) But still episode nine, because, you know, I say only episode nine, but next week is, is, I guess, well, it feels like the halfway mark, even though technically we were. were Yeah, we haven't quite tipped over. We've walked our toes Uh up to the edge. Let's, let's stay at the, the glass half empty kind of, well, I don't want to get full, so. (laughs) (laughs) Bad analogy. You're going to drag your heels towards that finish line. You see where I'm at. Okay. So next week is episode 10 of 20. But episode 10, uh, (laughs) the hero's journey. The hero debuff. I cannot wait to talk about this episode with you guys and with you, B. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. I I was absolutely blindsided. Guys, if you haven't seen the trailer, then oh boy, it's going to be fun. It's just going to be fun cuz I was absolutely blindsided by by w- where we're going with the next episode. It's just I was 
absolutely delighted by how much it was my jam. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, but in the meantime, if you guys want to ever hit us up, ever want to talk episodes, talk the season, or just leave us a, a, a kind comment or a review, then you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, uh, our website at nochoclickmoments.com, or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, leave us a review. We see them. We appreciate them. You guys are amazing. We, I'd, love to, I'd love to see all the viewers that we get it's just so fun yes thank you guys very much for your continued appreciation we wouldn't do this without you yeah yeah and 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 we also as always have bonus content uh up on our patreon if you want to become a patron we put up our after talk episodes and our uh, show notes and and it's just you know (laughs) season 15 y'all season 15 there's so much to discuss. So much, yes. So uh, we'll see you guys next week for next week's episode. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. You have words. You have enthusiasm. I love it. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> Remy, you got gumption, okay? You don't give up. <laughs>